seated. We are um, coming to the end of ordinary time, also known as late Pentecost. And uh, this time, this green season, um, will be shortly in Advent. Can you believe it? Um, I think we just got two more Sundays of ordinary time. And you'll maybe have seen the theme that is going on as we come to the end of this green season. The lections take us to the second coming of Christ, to Christ's return. And so this is certainly true of all of our readings this Sunday, from uh, the Old Testament reading from Job, uh, the letter to the Thessalonians, and also the Gospel. In fact, um, this is the only passage in all of the Gospels where Jesus actually addresses resurrection, what resurrection life means. And you'll notice that we're at chapter 20 in Luke, so we're fast approaching the passion of our Lord. And so this interchange between the Sadducees and Jesus comes as Jesus knows that he is going to his death on a cross, but that he will also be raised on the third day. And so here we come in Luke to... The Sadducees now are trying to trick Jesus. And uh, we've had the Pharisees. And um, if you ever get confused between the two groups, you can remember it. And I'm sorry for this because a lot of you have probably heard this. But the Sadducees do not believe in the resurrection. Therefore, they are sad, you see. (laughs) Oh, um, So if you ever forget, the Sadducees do not believe in the resurrection. And so this is why they are trying to trick Jesus. Um, I've read that gospel uh, reading twice now, once last night and and this morning. And when we came to the passage of, you know, she married this one and she married the other one and then she too died. And I'm thinking, yes, that's... (laughs) So, uh, so this is what they're trying to do with these seven marriages for this one woman, this riddle concerning marriage. And Jesus says, you've got it all wrong. You're thinking with an earthly perspective. Those who belong to this age marry, but those who are considered worthy of a place in that age, in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. So there's a this age and there's a that age. And that age is identified with the resurrection of the dead. <clears throat> in this age we marry. In that age there is no marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore. So in that age there is no death, in this age there is death, and that age is both the resurrected life where there is no death. They cannot die anymore because they are like angels. Note that they do not become angels. 
It is not true to say that when we die or when anybody dies, they become an angel. Angels are a different order of created being. In fact, uh, Joy is going to be talking about angels uh, when we go back into um, our Advent teaching series after the first Sunday in Advent, second Sunday in Advent. So we're like angels insofar as we live forever. And not that we become them. There are some things in that age that make us like angels who exist now. But we are children of God, being children of the resurrection. Not resuscitation, resurrection. So we are children of God. Um, If you want to look at a hierarchy, um, that means we're actually higher than the angels. In fact, in Scripture it says that we will judge the angels. Children of God reigning with him. Now, what kind of a reign is God's reign? It's not a power-heavy reign. It's a servanthood reign. So in reigning with him, we reign as servants of all. This is the only place in the Gospels then that Jesus is talking about what resurrected life looks like. Of course, we see what resurrected life looks like when the gospel writers describe what Jesus' body was like when he rose from the dead, when he appeared to the disciples. And remember, it's not a spiritual or a ghostly body. He says, I'm not a ghost. Come and touch me. I have flesh. And he goes and he eats. He says, you can feel the wounds in my hands. So it is, in some sense, a corporeal body, not an ethereal, spiritual, ghostly body. So there's a this age and there's a that age. Paul, however, uh, talks about resurrection quite a bit. He tells us quite a bit more about it. So we have this from Jesus about what resurrection life looks like. Paul, uh, going to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15 and verses 21 through 22. For since death came through a human being, we all die because we've inherited Adam's sin And so, therefore, we die because we are in Adam, in the line of Adam. So, from a human who was Adam came death. The resurrection of the dead has also come through a human being. Jesus, fully human, fully divine, brings resurrection life from the dead. For as all die in Adam, says Paul, so all will be made alive in Christ, but each in his own order. Christ, the firstfruits. So Christ's resurrection is the firstfruits of that resurrected life for all of those who are in Christ. Those who are in Christ will eventually 
receive resurrected life. And it says this, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. At his coming. When he returns, he has already come. This is talking about his return coming. Sometimes called the day of the Lord, the return of the Lord, the great day, the day of judgment, the end. But it's the end of this age, the beginning of that age. And Paul goes on, then comes the end. When he, Christ, hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed every ruler, every authority, every power. It's that age that Job is also talking about. For I know that my Redeemer lives. Is that wonderful? I'm so thankful that we have this in our resurrection liturgy. These words from Job. We start that off. The sure hope. I know that my Redeemer lives and that at the last, at the last of this age, when history is rolled up like a curtain, we're here elsewhere, and there is a new heaven and a new earth. At the end of this age, I know And that at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, then in my flesh I shall see God. So this is destroyed and yet in flesh we see God. At that time, when the Lord returns, at the end, of this age and the beginning of that age. Well, the early church was quite excited about this. They were quite excited about the fact that the Lord was going to return. In fact, they expected it at any moment. So much so that in his first letter to this church in Thessalonica, Paul had to write, get off your duffs. Because what they'd done is they were just sitting back. The Lord's coming any minute. We don't need to do anything anymore. We're just going to wait for him to come. So nobody was working. Everybody was kind of expecting somebody else to give them food. They were just waiting around. And Paul said, no, 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 no. You've still got to work. You don't know when the Lord's coming. The promise is true. But you've still got to be about the Lord's work. He says, uh, then what happens is this second letter. So in the first letter, um, they're thinking it's, it's any minute. You know, it's going to come, so we don't need to do anything. So he had to rectify that poor thinking. And now, apparently, somebody's come along and told them that the Lord's actually already come. And and they they haven't seen him come. So what's happened? They're all worried about it. And apparently somebody has either come and and taught them this or, or somebody has come along and misinterpreted what Paul has written. Well, as we know with Paul's run on sentences, that's sometimes not, you know, difficult to do. 
But, so he's writing to them and he's saying, As to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together with him, we beg you, brothers and sisters, not to too quickly be shaken in mind or alarmed either by spirit or by word or by letter, supposedly uh, from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord is already here. Let no one deceive you in this way. So somebody's going around and saying, now this is, the, this is the age to come. And people are going, but if this is that age, why are we still dying? If this is that age, why is there still sickness? Why are there still wars? Why is there still animosity amongst each other? Well, it didn't stop there, Right? I mean, we have had people down through the ages that have said the same thing to other people. That somebody had said to these Thessalonians. Yeah, in, in, uh, Charles Russell, who, was the, who started up the Jehovah's Witnesses, foretold that Christ would come in 1874. He didn't. So he thought, well, he's coming instead in 1914. He didn't. And so what Charles Russell then said was, well, he came invisibly. And so Christ has returned. I'll just let you take that wherever you want to take it. But we've had other people as well. We've had David Koresh. Remember that disaster? Awful. The Branch Davidian sect? The Lord is coming. In fact, wasn't it just recently, a few months ago, we had somebody who said it's going to happen on this day and this time? Well, Paul says to the Thessalonians, remember I told you what was going to happen. There's the rebellion and the lawless one is going to come. Well, another way of saying the lawless one is the counterfeit one. Well, we know from the rummage sale that it's rather difficult to figure out what are the counterfeit notes and what are the real notes. We actually need a little pen that shows up the different colors of what is counterfeit and what is real. To the naked eye, you can't necessarily tell the difference. And so the counterfeit one is not going to be somebody who is easily identified as out-and-out evil. Of course, people down the ages have thought it was one Roman emperor or another and tried to figure out the times of the rebellion and the lawless one. Uh, You know, during the Second World War, it was Hitler or Mussolini, and there have been various others down the ages that people have thought that they could identify as the lawless one, but he's a counterfeit. It's not going to be that easy because there are going to be signs and wonders. And that's why Paul says to the Thessalonians, stand firm and hold fast to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by word of mouth or by letter. Remember a few weeks ago we were looking at uh, Paul's letter to Timothy and he said a time will come when people will have itching ears and will go after one teacher or another just wanting to hear what they want to hear that makes them feel good about themselves. That's the deceit. 
So he says, stand firm and hold fast because that's how we're going to know the counterfeit from the real. And then, of course, we have other people down through the ages who've tried to figure out the timing of all of this. They've tried to figure out when we move from this age to that age, when we try to figure out when the Lord is coming back. He's promised that. Now, his first coming, of course, was promised in through the prophets, and it came about. His second coming was promised by him. So it will happen. But speculations about that are not healthy because what do they do? They take our eyes off of Christ onto speculating about rebellion, about the lawless one. Remember, there's been the 60s, there was an author called um, Hal Lindsey who wrote about the late great planet Earth. Um, In this day and age, of course, we have the Left Behind series by uh, Tim LaHaye. But we're not to speculate. We don't know. We're not given to know. And Jesus is quite clear. He doesn't know. The angels in heaven don't know. Why would we think that we would be given to know? Jesus says, about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. And then elsewhere, we hear that God is holding back so all can come to the knowledge of Christ and be saved. And then elsewhere in Peter, we hear that a day for God is a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. So our timing on all of this is not his timing anyway. So we are to focus on Christ. This passage that I just read from Matthew's Gospel that Christ says about the hour and the day is bookended either side by parables about what we're to do. Waiting. We're to be prepared. We're always to expect it. But we're to be at the Lord's work. We're always to be doing what the Lord has given us to do in expectation. So if the Thessalonians had fallen into two errors, that is, sitting back thinking it's happening any time, or being deceived that it has already happened, perhaps we've fallen into a third error of not believing that it's going to happen at all that we just go to heaven and that's the end, but that's not the end. Heaven isn't our final place. It's quite clear there's a that age. Is the heaven right now where we go when we die? Absolutely. Christ says to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. And the saints are pleading underneath the altar in Revelation, how long, Lord? They're in bliss. They're with the Lord, but their how long is how long before you return? How long before that age when there's resurrection? See, resurrection has not happened for those who die. They are with God. 
resurrection only happens according to Jesus when he returns. That's when we get our resurrected bodies. Those who have died come with him to a new heaven and a new earth. That age. That's the start of that age. You, you know, I, I love the Chronicles of Narnia. Right? And, and uh, in the last in the series, the last battle, there's this wonderful image. It is the last battle. It's the battle when Christ returns and all evil is done away with. So no more sickness, no more suffering, no more grieving, no more death, no more war. A redeemed heaven and earth, a new heaven and new earth. And as the old earth is dying in the last battle, there's this doorway And the people can walk around the doorway and just see a doorway. And so the earth looks exactly the same. The place looks exactly the same as they walk around this doorway. But if they go through the doorway, it's a new country, but the same country, but new and different. And they see mountains And they see rivers and they see lakes and all of the beauty of creation, flowers as they open and blue sky and green grass and all of the things that we love about this world that we can see through the grayness and and the darkness that, that, that enfolds the earth but that is being done away with with the kingdom of God as it comes in. But then it bursts into life. And there's a blueness and we're going to say, gosh, is that really what blue looks like? I just saw a shadow of blue before. And that's that age, not this age. Green, can you imagine green looks that color? It's glorious. Mountaintops, look, we can see with our eyes hundreds of miles away. It's a new heaven and a new earth, the two together, and then we receive our resurrected bodies. It's quite clear. It's that age. And so those who have died in the Lord return with him in resurrected bodies. Those that are living in the flash of an eye are changed but we're not to worry about when this happens. We're not to think it's already happened. We don't know the sequence of events. There are some hints in Scripture, but we're not given to know. But we are given to hope. We are like the early Christians given to say, Maranatha, Lord, Come, Lord Jesus, now redeem this earth. Give us resurrected bodies that do not die. But in the meantime, we're to expect that. That will happen. It's been promised by the Lord himself. But we are to continue to do his work in the here and now because what we do in the here and now is never lost. In fact, it carries with us 
It goes forward with us. Revelation to John says this, Blessed are the dead who from now on die in the Lord. Yes, says the Spirit. They will rest from their labors for their deeds follow them. Their deeds follow them. Not only as they pass through the veil and are gathered into the Lord's presence to the heavenly banquet, but when the Lord returns, their deeds will follow them in a new heaven and a new earth. So let us stand firm. Let us not be shaken in mind or alarmed, but rather stand in the sure hope that the Lord will return. We will receive our resurrected bodies. But for now, we are about the Lord's work. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.